Picture this, if you will. You're working the night shift at the local emergency department when a nurse walks up to you. He's brand new, straight out of nursing school, and his attention to detail is impeccable. Doctor, the patient in room 8, the one admitted for a femur fracture, is about to go up to the hospital floor. But he has a blood pressure of 170 over 100, and I don't want to send him up unstable. Can you write an order for something to lower the blood pressure, like labetalol? As you consider your answer, you think of the possible reasons for the patient's elevation in blood pressure. And welcome to Audio Bricks. I'm Arjun Iyer, bringing topics from endocrinology from our bricks to your ears. Today, we're going to talk about epinephrine, also known as adrenaline. And fun fact, both names refer to the fact that the hormone's gland of origin is near the kidneys. Epinephrine using Greek roots, adrenaline using Latin roots. After completing this section, you'll be able to 1. Recall the structure of adrenaline and describe its synthesis in the adrenal gland. 2. List the general functions and sites of actions of adrenaline. And 3. Explain how the secretion of adrenaline is regulated. Part 1. What is adrenaline? Adrenaline is a catecholamine, a class of molecules produced in a variety of tissues, including the brain, nervous system, and the adrenal glands. And one of the most important functions of the catecholamines is as mediators of the sympathetic nervous system, the fight-or-flight response. Think of your response when running from a bear in the woods, rapid pulse, pounding heart, or maybe you've heard someone talk about a high adrenaline activity or sport. These effects are what they're referring to. Now, it may seem odd to discuss adrenaline or epinephrine in the endocrinology section, but while other catecholamines act primarily as neurotransmitters, mediating the sympathetic nervous system between synapses, Epinephrine is the most biologically important circulating catecholamine, and the only catecholamine released into the bloodstream by the adrenal gland. Like other catecholamines, epinephrine is a monoamine molecule derived from the amino acids phenylalanine and tyrosine. Now, think back to biochem for a sec. Painful, I know. Phenylalanine is what you get when you add an aromatic 6-carbon ring as the R group onto the normal carboxylic acid and amine backbone common to all amino acids. If you chop off the carboxyl group, attach three hydroxyl, or OH, groups, and attach a second methyl, or CH3, group to the amine portion, that's epinephrine. Two hydroxyl groups are attached to the aromatic ring. One is attached to the carbon between the ring and the amine group. But the molecules are very similar. And in fact, one of the defining features of all catecholamines is that they're all based around that aromatic six-carbon ring. In the adrenal gland, Adrenaline and other catecholamines are made in the chromaffin cells of the adrenal medulla, which is the innermost part of the gland. Phenylalanine can be used to synthesize the amino acid tyrosine by adding a hydroxyl group to the aromatic ring, which is then converted to the molecule L-DOPA. At this point, the molecule has two fates. It can either be converted to melanin or enter the catecholamine synthesis pathway in which dopamine, norepinephrine, and finally epinephrine can be synthesized using sequential modifications to the molecule. If it helps, you can use the mnemonic MEND YOUR TIRES to remember that tyrosine can be used to synthesize M-E-N-D, melanin, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine. Part 2. What are the effects of adrenaline? So we mentioned that epinephrine is the major circulating catecholamine, helping mediate the fight-or-flight response through the bloodstream. Once released from the adrenal gland, Adrenaline circulates and binds to adrenergic receptors on target cells. Adrenergic receptors come in various types. Adrenaline binds to alpha-1, alpha-2, beta-1, and beta-2 varieties. 
all of them are G-protein-coupled receptors, in which binding to the extracellular portion of a transmembrane receptor activates an intracellular molecule called a G-protein. The G-protein, in turn, activates a whole host of other molecules within the cell, amplifying the signal exponentially to cause rapid, often widespread changes to the cell's physiology. Circulating adrenaline has many of the same effects on the body as does the sympathetic nervous system, but it binds to the alpha-1 adrenergic receptors less strongly. Released adrenaline has four primary effects. First, it increases the heart rate and force of cardiac contraction via the beta-1 receptors. Say you're in fight-or-flight mode. I don't know, because a mama bear is chasing you through the woods, while her cubs just laugh at you because they just snitched on you and now you're going to get mauled. That increased heart rate and contractility gives you the extra cardiac output you need to all-out sprint away from mama bear, because turns out bears are actually pretty fast. Second, adrenaline vasodilates blood vessels leading to very specific capillary beds via the beta-2 receptors, while vasoconstricting blood vessels to most of the rest of the body via weak activity at the alpha-1 receptors. Even though you've got extra cardiac output from the beta-1s, which means extra blood flow, your body needs to prioritize where that blood goes. When you're running away from mama bear, that cheeseburger sitting in your small intestine can wait a hot minute before being digested. For now, it's your muscles that need to do the work. The beta-2 receptors mediate vasodilation of arterioles to the skeletal muscle, but also to the liver, for all the lactic acid they're going to be generating that needs to be converted back to glucose. Can't be getting cramps while mama bear's on your tail. Third, adrenaline relaxes the bronchi via the beta-2 receptors, allowing better airflow into the lungs as you huff and puff while running away and wonder why the hell you kept skipping cardio day. And finally, it promotes conversion of glycogen to glucose via the beta-2 receptors to provide as much energy-rich carbohydrates as your muscles need to keep your delicious self away from mama bear. You can check out the table in your podcast player if it has that feature, which nicely summarizes adrenaline's effects. But for now, it's time for a knowledge check. What effect does adrenaline have on heart rate and cardiac output? Adrenaline increases heart rate and increases cardiac output. Part 3. How is adrenaline secretion regulated? As you might suspect, adrenaline is mainly released under stressful stimuli. That can mean fear or being chased by a bear. You know, stuff that happens all the time in real life but also in clinically relevant contexts like surgery, sepsis, or high or low temperature. Even things that are common in real life, like pain and anxiety, play a role in the clinical world. Since the emergency department's a pretty stressful place, where people are often either anxious or in pain, blood pressure and heart rate measurements are typically higher in the ER than at rest. It's why the ER is pretty much the worst place to try to diagnose essential hypertension. But no matter what the stimulus, the nervous system processes the signal and responds by telling the adrenal medulla that it's time to secrete adrenaline, either by direct neural synapses or hormonal signaling. Remember how the sympathetic nervous system generally operates on a two-neuron system? The preganglionic neurons come from the spinal cord and stimulate postganglionic neurons using acetylcholine as a neurotransmitter, which is then received by nicotinic ACH receptors on the postganglionic cell. Well, with the adrenal medulla, instead of a preganglionic neuron synapsing onto a postganglionic neuron, you have a preganglionic neuron that synapses onto the neuroendocrine chromaffin cells of the adrenal medulla, which are then stimulated to release adrenaline into the bloodstream. But the chromaffin cells are also hormonally regulated. Adrenocorticotropic hormone, or ACTH, is released by corticotropic cells in the anterior pituitary gland and binds to the adrenal medulla receptors 
where they stimulate synthesis of adrenaline by inducing key enzymes in the synthetic pathway. So how does the signal get terminated, you might be wondering? Well, actually, unlike many other hormones, adrenaline does not use negative feedback to downregulate its own synthesis. So very high levels of adrenaline can occur in a variety of conditions, such as catecholamine-secreting tumors. Which begs the question, once you've escaped the bear or done whatever other stressful thing that stimulated your adrenaline rush, how does the body downregulate all that adrenaline to make sure you don't go into a totally unnecessary arrhythmia? Well, actually, it happens in a few different ways. One, adrenaline can be taken up into the nerve terminals. Two, adrenaline can be diluted by the bloodstream. Or three, adrenaline can be metabolized by monoamine oxidase and catechol O-methyltransferase, or COMT. And really, the effects of epinephrine on the cell are very dramatic, but pretty short-acting. Final knowledge check, guys. What is the main hormonal stimulus to release adrenaline? The main hormonal stimulus for adrenaline synthesis is adrenocorticotropic hormone, which is made in the anterior pituitary gland. And that's a wrap. Let's see what you've learned on this deep dive into epinephrine, otherwise known as adrenaline. First, can you name the organ primarily responsible for the secretion of epinephrine into the bloodstream? And what precursor molecule is used to synthesize it? Epinephrine is a catecholamine made and released by chromaffin cells in the adrenal medulla. Adrenaline, like other monoamines, is derived from the amino acids phenylalanine and tyrosine. Tyrosine is the immediate precursor and is found in dietary sources, but phenylalanine is the essential amino acid that can be used to synthesize tyrosine. Second, can you name the major effects of epinephrine on the heart, vasculature, and respiratory system? Epinephrine increases cardiac contractility and heart rate via beta-1 receptors. It vasodilates blood vessels to the skeletal muscle and liver via beta-2 receptors, and weakly vasoconstricts most other blood vessels via alpha-1 receptors. The net effect on the cardiovascular system is to increase the cardiac output and preferentially increase blood flow to the skeletal muscles and liver. Lastly, epinephrine causes bronchodilation via the beta-2 receptors. Finally, what are the two major stimuli for the release of epinephrine? Epinephrine synthesis is stimulated primarily by the sympathetic nervous system, specifically preganglionic neurons, and ACTH from the anterior pituitary. Now, armed with your newfound knowledge, let's check out that patient from the intro. You're about to send a patient admitted to the floor with a femur fracture when your nurse asks you how you want to treat his blood pressure of 170 over 100. How do you plan to address your nurse's concerns and treat the patient appropriately? Pause the audio if you need some time to think. After quickly reviewing the patient's medical history, you find no prior diagnosis of hypertension, and he's not on any antihypertensives. He is, however, on a high dose of daily narcotics for chronic back pain, and you recall that you wrote an order for 0.5 milligrams hydromorphone about an hour ago. In terms of opioid equivalents, that's slightly less than the amount that he normally takes every six hours at baseline. You turn to your nurse and ask him to administer another one milligram of hydromorphone. Seeing the surprised look on his face, you explain, the patient's never been diagnosed with hypertension, so the most likely cause of his elevated blood pressure right now is probably the fact that he's in pain from the femur fracture. 
and we've given him a lot less pain medications than he's used to. Pain causes the body to surge with adrenaline, and when the heart beats faster and stronger, as a result, the blood pressure usually goes up. So really, what we need to do is treat his underlying pain, and the blood pressure should come down on its own. You encourage your nurse to check with the patient first, and watch him for about 5 minutes to see if the medication has the desired effect. And that's our show. If you like what you heard, make sure to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Remember, your feedback helps us improve. You can enjoy the full Bricks experience online at www.usmle-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. So go check that out if you haven't already. Until next time, friends. 